Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
כל יום מתפללים, מבקשים מן השמיים שאני אעבור. רק צריך להאמין ולפתוח עיניים, כי אני כבר פה. עוד מצווה אחת קטנה, תפילה עם לב פתוח, ויבוא הקץ. זה לקח אלפי שנה, הנה זה כבר בטוח. תנו להיכנס, ולא, לא, לא יהיו יותר דמעות, רק תראו ניסים
הללו, הללו, אס אשר הם כל הגויים, שבחו-הו-הו-הו-הו, כל האומים. הללו, 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 אס אשר הם כל הגויים, שבחו-הו-הו-הו-הו, כל האומים. Bye. 
J.M. in the A.M. Shlomo Katz with Min HaMetzar. Before that, Uri Davidi brand new with Muchanim and Hallelujahu. Um, Leva Nefesh and Mimkomcha. Gershon Veroba's Mimkomcha. Yehuda Green with the Kalbach Mimkomcha. Uh, Hallelujah done by Shlemi Daskal. And from Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning on the app. There was somebody, re- <laughs> excuse me, on the app there was somebody requesting... Uh, the Kalbach Mimkomcha this morning, so figured we'd get on that one and as many other Mimkomchas as we could here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this May 31st, final day of May 2019, day number 26 in the month of ER, the year 5779, Tess. Today is day number 41 in the counting of the Omer, day number 41. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Zeref Shabbos Parshas Bichu Kosai. Mazal Tov to Jacob Wallach, one of the nicest Bar Mitzvah boys you'll ever meet, getting set to uh, lane tomorrow and celebrate his Bar Mitzvah. Mazal Tov to Jacob Wallach from all of us here 
at JM in the AM. Candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Bechukosai, 8 p.m. in the New York area. That's 8 o'clock. Well, Ben Trosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be Tuesday. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be Tuesday. Sunday is Yom Yerushalayim. Sunday is the Celebrate Israel Parade. And the Brooklyn Cyclones present our coverage of the Celebrate Israel Parade starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to uh, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Go to the website at NahumSiegel.com. Watch as we uh, broadcast yet another amazing Celebrate Israel Parade up Fifth Avenue this coming Sunday. Very much looking forward to it. And I hope all of you will come out and be part of the great celebration. 63 degrees, 98% humidity. Winds are west, four miles an hour. Mostly sunny, high of 80. Then tonight, mostly clear. Low 63. Clouds for tomorrow. High Shabbos, 75. Yerushalayim right now at 95. We're at 63 in New York City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Parade weather, afternoon thunderstorms in 72. All right, afternoon thunderstorms might mean, you know, really late in the afternoon. Other than that, let's hope for a really great day and uh, and get it done there on uh, Fifth Avenue in New York City this coming Sunday. JM and the AM at 24 minutes before 7 o'clock. As uh, we continue with plenty more, you know what's happening today. Malcolm Holmline will be with us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents and Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll do our weekly update. Uh, also, um, Rabbi Yudin, of course, with words about uh, Shabbos Buchu Kosai and plenty more all coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. Stand with you. ever known pain it cuts like a knife through your heart have you ever known shame it makes you hide out in the dark and i want to know why life can be rough we all are enough show me it's possible to never give up never ever give up no never ever give up Let's stand together, you and I As one or better, just give it a try Fire and ice, both in our souls We're all unique, always hold Just a piece of the puzzle in his great scheme Like a river flows Have you ever felt love? It makes you blossom like a rose Now I understand why Life is so good My dreams understood And everything happens Just the way it should Just the way it should Yeah, just the way it should Let's stand together You and I of the puzzle in his great scheme. I'll stand with you, stand with me. 
J.M. in the A.M. with Barry Weber and Rebone. Before that, the Kalbach Friday Night Service, L'Chadodi, done by Keep Alive. Ohad with Samach, uh, rather Sameach and Tfilat Ha'av. Eighth day with that brand new single, We All Belong. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. I want to remind everybody, Celebrate Israel Parade is Sunday. Make sure to be there on 5th Avenue and join us at 64th Street and 5th Avenue in, uh, in New York City. It's going to be quite a presentation. Thank you to the Brooklyn Cyclones. They are presenting our uh, parade coverage, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And we are very much looking forward to it, as you can imagine. Golly, it's all in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. And um, don't forget, Sunday is Yom Yerushalayim, our Yom Yerushalayim Jerusalem Day 52 um, celebration begins at 7 a.m. Thank you to Matis, who's always on JM Sunday Live on Sunday morning, and he is is going to really be presenting uh, me and Mayor Weingarten and himself in a Yom Yerushalayim special pre-parade this coming Sunday. So we are very much looking forward to that between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. 
here at the Nahum Siegel Network to make sure to celebrate with us this coming Sunday. Galei Tzal in the background. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio. Oh, did we lose the... Uh, oh, gosh. Nothing worse than we lose the feed from Israel, especially at the last second there. Mm. Not giving us the live feed today for some reason. Why is that? I need to know. Why is that we test things out and everything goes well, and then all of a sudden, once we press the final button, it doesn't go as well as we thought. No, we're having trouble here. All right, uh, we will not be presenting our news from Israel, but we're moving into hour number two of a Friday morning broadcast. Later on, we'll tell you about some of the people who are donating, pledging, and um, who have already uh, supported JM and the AM and uh, the Nahum Siegel Network in our annual spring fundraiser. We'll do that coming up, and I thank them in advance. Uh, Jay Booksbaum is scheduled to join us. Malcolm Holmline this hour, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. It's the 41st day in the counting of the Omer, five weeks and six days. On this Arab Shabbos, Parshas Bechukosai, Mazal Tov to Jacob Wallach. Candle lighting at 8 p.m. in New York. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. And don't forget Sunday, Yom Yerushalayim special between 7 and 9. 11 a.m., that's going to be the biggie. When we head to a Fifth Avenue and celebrate Israel with hundreds of thousands of people, you'll be able to see the whole thing on the Nahum Siegel Network, on NahumSiegel.com, and at Facebook.com slash Siegel Network. So get ready, everybody. It's going to be a great day on Fifth Avenue, as you would suspect it would be. It will be, um, it'll be an amazing and incredible day. And we know that the weather is going to hold up for us. Of course. We know that we're going to have no issues with the weather. Baruch Hashem. Diaspora is next. Good morning from JM in the AM. Nachnumaspikim 
Go. J.M. in the A.M. Ashes Hile done by uh, Regesh off of volume number seven. Diaspora before that with Eina Nachnu here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Candlelighting in New York at 8 p.m. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. You know, Jay Booksbaum is about to join us, and um, I, ha- I have to say something before I introduce him. Last night, he and I had the real pleasure, every time we see each other, it's a pleasure, of seeing each other at the uh, United Hatzalah dinner. And sometimes it's good to remind oneself, and in this case I reminded myself, just how much certain people care uh, about, about uh, you know, each other and their families. I mean, thank God, you know, we've, we've developed with a number of people such amazing relationships over the last many decades. Uh, but in addition to that, sometimes it's important to remember just how much People want ventures like this to be successful. And last night it hit me when I saw Jay, and I've seen him you know, quite a number of times over the last few months, but when I saw him last night, one of the first things he says to me is, how, things are, how are things going? How's the network doing? How are things progressing? And I said to myself, I, I stopped and I said to myself, my gosh, sometimes I have to realize that there are a lot of people out there who are really rooting for us and who are just thrilled every time we give a good report about the progress of uh, what we're doing here. And to say that Jay and the Herzogs and everybody at Kedem uh, are in that category is an absolute understatement. They may have created the category, <laughs> frankly. So before I introduce Jay, I just wanted to mention that um, the continued friendship and the continued concern and the amazing decades-long relationship that we have had with Kedem Royal Wine, the Herzog family, and obviously 
our number one world's kosher sommelier, Jay Bookspam, is is really something special. And sometimes you have to just stop and recognize that. And I'm glad that it hit me last night. And I'm glad I had this opportunity. Uh, what impeccable timing to uh, to mention it this morning here at JM and the AM. And now with uh, a little bit of a conversation for those of you who follow the world of kosher wine, I do introduce the world's number one kosher wine sommelier, the one and only Jay. Books, bam. Can, can everybody see me blushing over I, the radio here? I hope <laughs> so, because do you realize, and this is going to, I mean, I can only imagine that, that you'll, you'll react the same way to this that I do every time I, I think about it. You realize we are doing regular updates for this beloved international community for over a quarter of a century. It's a long time. It's a long wow. time. It's beautiful. So anyway, uh, I thank you because, it, like I say, it hit me last night. Like, you know, we have a lot to talk about, a lot of things on everyone's mind, etc. One of the first things you say to me, how are things going? You know, what's happening? And you know, you know, with the uh, with what we're doing here, the parade Sunday and the Yom Yushalayim special coming up and all of our different uh, regular programming and special programs, a lot happening. And I know you take great nachas, so. So Jay, I thank you, and now we can talk a little bit about kosher wine. Yeah, I was. You know, it's funny that you you, you brought that thing up, not to wax poetic and and be melodramatic, but um, when I got on the phone with you just right before you opened the segment, you mean when I when I you mean when I was shocked that you were up so early? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You said there's one minute and thirty two seconds left. Right. You know, you got that fancy clock going there, <laughs> and I said to myself, you know. This is a guy that's been doing literally God's work for as long as you've been on the air. And, you know, like Reb Feiss, uh, Yaisi Herzog's, Nathan Herzog's father would say, we too are not in the wine business. We're in the, we're in the chasana business. We're in the bris business. We're in the bar mitzvah business. We're in the bat mitzvah business. We're in the shot Friday night kiddish business. The seams. You know, the seam business. And so... You know, I'd like to believe, you know, that your holy work, that we have, that thank God I go to work every day thinking a little bit about the fact that I'm also in holy work, too. So we're partners in some ways, you know? 100%. We're partners, and not only that, but between you and Yaichi, you're basically uh, a part of our marketing department, because as you guys guys travel the world, all you do is talk about us, so... I got to say thank you for that as well. All right, everybody, why is Jay on? Not just to uh, exchange beautiful words this morning, but we got this note, we got this email about, (laughs) and it's unbelievable that we're talking about kosher wine in this regard, about some amazing scores and incredible um, uh, awards that kosher wines, many of which uh, the Herzog family and uh, Kedem Royal Wine is associated with, um, we got a report about how they have scored and the type of uh, of um, uh, awards they've won recently in uh, in a specific competition. And Jay, before you discuss the specific ones, we again we again have to wake up to the fact that it's unbelievable that delicious kosher wines now are being recognized and scoring incredible numbers and getting wonderful awards around the world. And and you must take amazing pride in that. I, I think I think the biggest message here is is that this particular competition has no kosher category. Wow! <laughs> no, this, this I didn't even not, I, I didn't even realize that. 
This is this is this is an even this is an coaster wines and see right. how they score in that in their category. This no. is an even this playing is, field. This is an even playing field. Yeah, and 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 it would be okay if they scored like in the medium range in the even playing field, right? Sure. But these were the top scoring wines of the entire competition. So when this chairman's trophy goes to the Pacifica Evans Collection Riesling 2017 and scores a 96. Nobody else is scoring a 96. I I I I don't think so. No. And Paci- but, and and, this, by and the way, yeah. I have to interrupt you because you know we got this email and we released it to you. So I just want you to know they've told us that we should not release the, this information. So I'm telling all your listeners out there very secretly. We're not supposed to, and all of you out there. Don't release this information until Tuesday. Why? That's when the like the official results come out from exactly. their organization. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So it's going to have but a ninety-six. You and your listeners get a chance to buy these before Shabbos. And you could walk into a kosher retailer and ask for Pacifica, and they will have that white riesling for you. Right. Right. Uh, hopefully. But there's um, a whole bunch more. I mean, I, I'll give you, you know, we, we're going to go through the list if you don't mind. So that. No, know, I, I don't mind at all. The reason I'm obsessing over this one is because, it, first of all, it, it, I mean, I don't know if, if one can say that a two point victory has destroyed the competition, but it obviously was clearly ahead of everything else, right? In terms of the. Uh, yeah. so, so it obviously made a very, very big impression. And also, yep. and also, it's not a, a, a brand name that we are as familiar with as some of the others that we're going to be discussing this morning. So that's why. So that's why I just wanted to, you know, point it out and uh, again remind everybody that if they look for the name Pacifica and ask a retailer about it. They're literally going to have what's going to be released Tuesday as the number one champion wine. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was. Yeah, co- it, it's it, it's called it's, it's called the Ultimate Wine Challenge 2019. How many different wines do you think they actually uh, entered into that wine challenge? My guess is well over well over a thousand. Well over a thousand. Unbelievable. All right, so that's one of them. Anything you want to add about that, Riesling? Well, I, I wanna I wanna just give you a vignette on the on the on the competition. Sure. The ultimate wine challenge includes people they I'm sorry, they they vet and only include people that are well known uh, wine tasters and certified in very in very various uh, wine areas. Uh, as as uh, judges, that's number one. Number two is all the wines they taste are blind. All the wines they taste are blind. They can't. Means, they can't tell you the name. They can't tell you anything about it. The the people tasting them right. don't even see the bottle. They're right. they're in bagged. You know. I mean, I, I read up on this a little bit, and so the way they describe it is is that you know you're tasting a glass they 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 may give you the category although I'm not sure meaning right. white or red or right. you know maybe even the varietal but that's it that's all you know you don't even know which country it's coming from pretty cool so when when a guy gives and remember when you get a 96 points <clears throat> this is not one judge right it's an average this is a series of people this is an average of people that means some people must have scored. Yes, some people might have scored it lower, but but some people have scored it probably perfect. You know, right? I don't I don't know if this is a proper question to ask, but what is so for instance, what did Pacifica do right? Are they the beneficiaries of an amazing vintage? Are they? Uh, what, 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 what's interesting about Pacifica 
is that it's the same wine. It's the same winemaker as the Goose Bay, mm-hmm. and the Goose Bay also scored also well here is a finalist, uh, and that's a Sauvignon Blanc. Now, it's interesting. Pacifica is made in the north in the northwest, uh, Oregon, Washington, Oregon, whereas the, the Goose Bay is made in New Zealand. Now, both of these are owned by the same winemaker, Phil Jones, and he's the winemaker, and he's actually from California. But the point is, is that, you know, choosing the grapes and making the wine right is, is what makes this, part, this, makes this wine so good. And I feel extremely vindicated because when I go out to dinner with a lot of these suppliers that are Goyim, that are not Jews, and because they're supplying us some of these wines, the wine of choice that I ask for at dinner is either, of course, one of the Herzogs, but very often, more often than not, it's the Goose Bay Sauvignon Blanc. And it's an inexpensive wine, $22, $25, $30 at the most. And they go, holy crap, are we in a kosher restaurant? You know, some are best. And I go, yeah. And they'll go, I'll go, why? And they go, because this wine is just amazing. And people kid me about this all the time, but... If you want to have an amazing experience of a delicious, tangy, fruity, but dry wine, the Goose Bay Sauvignon Blanc is what everybody should be going to. Knowing how, per, knowing, knowing how, per, knowing how proper, knowing how proper the people are that you dine with, I would guess they probably use different language to describe it. But we get your point. <laughs> 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 Jay Booksbaum is with us, number one kosher wine sommelier on planet Earth, uh, with a big uh, a big congratulations uh, not only to um, uh, to Pacifica and Goose Bay, and there'll be others in a moment which which Jay will discuss, but of course to the Herzog family, Royal Wine, Kedem, etc. All these wines that we are recognizing today are wines that have done really well in the Ultimate Wine Challenge 2019, and wines you should add to your list before Shabbos, and now obviously before Shavu is coming up. Another opportunity over three days in the diaspora uh, to really serve some delicious wines at the Yuntif Meals. All right, what else made it? You told us about Pacifica's Riesling. You told us about the Goose Bay Sauvignon Blanc. What else do we need to know about the ultimate wine show? One of my closest friends, uh, Anichai Luria from Shiloh, his legend has made it. It's called the Fiddler, and uh, it's a blend of of various wines. And again, at $35, it, it garnered a 94, which is crazy. Hmm. Um, and, and when I say when I talk about the price, I'm talking about the approximate retails. And then there's another wine from Clomasora in Mondstadt, uh, Spain. And what's interesting about this wine, and you know, maybe we can teach some people, some th- you know, your your uh, listeners something about this, is that it comes from vines that are literally a hundred years on average old, uh, and very rare, very. Intense, very rich, very thick, very, oof, a big blockbuster of a wine. Great wine to give to somebody who really appreciates wine or for you to drink yourself. And the Clomasoro also got an amazing 93 points. Uh, the Oraganus. What's in, also, think about this. You have Washington State wine. You have an Israeli wine. You have a New Zealand wine. You have a Spanish wine. It's amazing. I mean, wines from literally all over the world. It's not like just Israel or just California or whatever. Okay? Well, well, two of the five kosher wines that scored 
93 or higher are from Israel. I was going to point that out when you mentioned Shiloh, which is really a, remarkable. And what's also remarkable about that is, guess what? The wine, that wine is Mavushal. Unbelievable. And we have all these fancy wine guys poo-pooing the whole Mavushal thing. Yeah. And he's proof positive that the way Mavushal is done today you know, does not hurt the wine. They're giving, they're giving massive scores to Mavushal wines. If only they do, right? If only they do. And by the way, the Goose Bay is also Mavushal. Unbelievable. I'll tell you. Whoever thought we'd get to the point where that made no difference, the, the, the way that people have been speaking about Mavushal and non-Mavushal for decades. And then you have Oregon News, right. which is a Moshav, a Yishuv, I don't know what you want to call it, of all the, you know, really see the shift from guys that are making these wonderful wines uh, up in the up in the Upper Galilee, uh, and it's a Namura single vineyard. And what's important about that, just as a teaching moment here, is that single vineyard means that it's really focused on the terroir, the the, the flavor of that place, that specific place. And so that is a beautiful, beautiful single vineyard Cabernet, and for the Eastern Mediterranean, and then Vitkin. Here's a wine that I am so proud of for, for Asaf Paz and his, his sister, Sharona, uh, who are making this wine at Kvarvitkin, and they insist on making only Mediterranean varietals. So this Petit Syrah, you know, they don't do Cabernet. They don't do Chardonnay. They don't do Merlot. They don't do European varietals. They do Mediterranean varietals only. And this Petit Syrah is just a wonderful wine. And also, a lot of times, these wines that win big scores are parkerized. That's a, a term that's been used to indicate that it's a big blockbuster of a wine. This wine is only 13% alcohol, which is not low, but it's also not in your face. So it's really an elegant wine, too. Another wine from Israel, the Segal Petit Unfiltered Cabernet. Now, Segal Unfiltered, not the Petit, the Big Brother, or I should say the massive father of this wine, is always out of stock, always runs out. Mm. So they created like a little sister to the big guy, and this petite, unfiltered, looks like it got higher score than its big daddy. Unbelievable. At, uh, at a 90 points. Uh, and again, guess what? Mavushal. Go figure, huh? Go figure. And, and we, as Jews, and as proud a Zionist. I hope nobody hits me over the head from Williamsburg about that, but uh, because I'm from Williamsburg, so I can say it, I guess. But we <laughs> as Jews and proud Zionists, the last wine that I want to mention is Barkan Assemblage, Reichan. Now, the, the reason why they use the word assemblage is, again, because it's a blend of various different grapes, also from the Upper Galley, also not overly alcoholic, not a big block, blockbuster, more of an Elegant style wine at 13.5%. But if you add up the total number of wines that I just mentioned, there's an overwhelming amount are actually Israeli. One, two, three, four, five. Five of the eight wines are Israeli. Unbelievable. Incredible. The whole thing's incredible. No, five or nine wines, excuse me. Five out of nine. Ultimate Wine Challenge 2019 and the top spots dominated by uh, many, many kosher wines uh, that are being recognized by these international wine tasters as uh, some of the best in the world. Pretty amazing. In terms of the number one kosher wine in the Ultimate Wine Challenge, 
Uh, it is the Pacifica Evan Collection Riesling 2017. And we should mention one more time, Jay, because there are some $70 and $80 kosher bottles on this list. This one is under 20 bucks retail price. Actually, this is the cheapest one on the list. Unbelievable. The whole thing is funny. <laughs> oh, it's just, you know, and that shows you how real the tasting is because, right. you know, you would think that if it wasn't blind, they would never allow themselves to give a chairman's trophy to an $18 bottle of wine, you know. Right. Pretty cool. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. The Ultimate Wine Challenge 2019. As Jay said, these uh, results become uh, uh, released officially to the world. Uh, this coming Tuesday, we know uh, because of this preview, uh, the kosher wines did extremely well. Pay careful attention to the list because it'll help you when you go shopping in terms of what to have in your home for the upcoming three-day holiday of Shavuos. Um, and from, um, well, I was going to say from the grapevine, isn't that funny? Uh, he, he is the number one kosher wine sommelier, and in this case, representing the uh, Herzog, Kedem, and Royal Wine family, the one, the only, Jay. Books found. Good Shabbos, everybody. What was it, Jay? Which shul in Williamsburg? Young Israel of Brooklyn? Which shul was it? Yes, the Young Israel of Brooklyn. On Bedford Avenue? Was it on Bedford? Yeah. It was on Bedford. You know, when I tell people, yeah, it was on Bedford Avenue. When I tell people, like, I'm from Williamsburg, they go, you know, look, Hasidish, and you know what? <laughs> Young Israel and Williamsburg, before, uh, thank God, the Satmer community arrived, was a tremendous Young Israel community. Right. The shul's still active, just not as Young Israel, right? No, the shul is not. Uh, Isn't I don't know if the shul is active. Isn't I think it's, it's, it's not it's still. The, oh, is this? It, the building is open, and I think it's used as a school. Ah, okay. All right, but so, not as a tool anymore. So the building is active. All right, uh, Jay, thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thanks for joining us. Uh, Jay Booksbaum, everybody, number one kosher wine sommelier with great news from the world of kosher wine. It's a Friday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up. Malcolm Honline, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, and plenty more. Friday, Erev Shabbos, this is JM in the AM.
can sing these songs again. So I'll take it with me every day till Shabbos comes and I can say, come join with me, my friends. Kunaran and all I share. J.M. in the A.M. R.E.A. Kunstler, of course. Candlelighting 8 o'clock here in New York. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Tuesday's Rosh Chodesh. I'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan is Tuesday. At Erev Shabbos Parshas Bechukosai, outside of Israel. In Israel, of course, they're up to um, uh, Parshas Bamidbar already. Um... Sunday is Yom Yerushalayim. Our Yom Yerushalayim special starts 7 a.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in. 11 a.m. will be on the parade route. Celebrate Israel Parade presented by the Brooklyn Cyclones. We'll be on the parade route broadcasting. It'll be NahumSiegel.com. It'll be Facebook.com slash NahumSiegel Network. It'll be on the NSN app in audio form, of course. So make sure to be tuned in. want to thank those who've been donating to our uh, 5779 Spring Fundraiser. Thank you, thank you. If you have your envelopes in your home, please return them to us with your generous donations to keep us going, and we appreciate that very, very much. You can also go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and give right now if you wish. I want to thank listener Chaya in Highland Park, New Jersey. Chaya Cole, three times high in honor of Nahum Siegel and Mayor Weingarten. Thank you very much for that. I want to thank uh, Susan and Elliot Hagler of Cedarhurst, a $100 donation in honor of the marriage of Tzvi Hagler and Esther Hirsch. Thank you for that. That wedding, of course, took place this week, and we say Mazal Tov to the Hagler and Hirsch families. Uh, Mrs. Myra Lanter has contributed from Staten Island in memory of her beloved husband, Bernie Lanter, in honor of her uh, children and grandsons. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Ronnie Meyer. Uh, who's donated in honor of Dr. Efrat Meyer of Bergenfield Women's Health. Thank you very much. And I want to thank my cousins, Sharon and Michael Feldstein, up in Stamford, Connecticut. They always think of reasons to support us here at JM&AM, and we thank them for that so much. And that's it's, they, are, they are donating $100 in honor of the Chai Plus One anniversary of Michael and Sharon Feldstein, wishing continued success to Nahum Siegel and JM&AM. So thank you guys for that. Thank you very, very much. And we look forward to seeing you soon. We have uh, we have plans on heading up to the Stamford area at some point during the summer, as we do each and uh, every year. So we look forward to that very, very much. And I'm just seeing here, uh, making sure that um, that we got. Oh, Mrs. Susan Lieberman has donated. In honor of her wonderful husband, Irwin, their terrific children and grandchildren. Thank you. And again, I'm just checking to make sure we got them all. I think those are the ones that we made a commitment to announce before. 
our weekly update. So thank you, thank you. Those of you who have uh, envelopes in your home that you received from us with a car magnet in it and a luggage tag in it, our little gifts that we... Um, uh, that we've sent out to our mailing list. Please return the uh, envelopes to us with your generous donations, and I thank you. Also, those of you who'd like to donate today, you can go straight to the web at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and uh, and contribute generously. And um, as we do all this programming, a Friday JM in the AM, Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night, Yom Yerushalayim special on Sunday, Parade coverage on Sunday afternoon. My God. Uh, once we, as we do all of this, you may want to consider uh, being a generous supporter of ours here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline is coming up. There is plenty more to do on a Friday at JM in the AM.
You know what that is? That's actually a ton cats live in the JM and AM studios doing the Kalbach Mizmor Shir. I love that. Friday morning, JM and the AM on this day 41 in the counting of the Omer. Forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Erev Shabbos Parshas Bichukosai outside of Israel. In Israel, they're already in Safer by Midbar. Candle lighting at 8 o'clock. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Rosh Chodesh Sivan is Tuesday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Sunday is Yom Yerushalayim. Our special begins at 7 a.m. Eastern Time live from our New York City studios. And that at 11 a.m. will be on the Celebrate Israel Parade route. Make sure to join us. Our coverage presented by the Brooklyn Cyclones. And that's going to be happening starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. NachumSiegel.com, Facebook.com, slash NachumSiegel Network. And, of course, on the NSN app, you can hear the whole thing. Uh, you can comment on the app during the parade. We should be able to have enough manpower to to check the app during the show, or during the broadcast, and we'll go to at least probably 3, 3.30, depending on the uh, on the speed of the parade. We'll figure that out, and uh, I hope you'll join us. One of the people who I hope will stop by at 64th Street and 5th Avenue in New York City is my next guest. Uh, that's where we'll be broadcasting from, 64th and 5th. And he is, of course, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Yeah, Boca Tov to you. You all set to stop by our broadcast booth on Sunday, or you're gonna uh, you're gonna course. you're gonna rush right by it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm not in the rushing days yet, but uh, God willing, I hope I hope the crowd will be so big that it'll be impossible to find. I want to start and end this conversation with a reminder about why it's so important to come to the parade. I know people, we've discussed this over the years, people have said there may not be a need for the parade anymore. I don't know if there's, there, one could argue it's never been more important than now to remind everybody that we as an American Jewish community and really American community in general supports Israel and wants to be out there in vocal support of Israel. So I'm sure you join me in reminding everybody that Fifth Avenue is a good place to spend their time this Sunday with their family. I think it's the only place, and I think it goes beyond just um, demonstrating support for Israel. I think given the events, the rise in anti-Semitic attacks, the anti-Israel uh, anti-Zionist, the um, BDS movement, the all of these efforts, uh, which trace themselves back to Rabala and Gaza and Tehran, 
and which uh, are, are worldwide in scope, but now have found root in the United States and growing here very rapidly, uh, as reflected in the statistics of attacks and, and uh, incidents, that, the, um, that this is a chance to declare to the world where we stand and who we are, and that the, the uh, message to young people, both to be confident as Jews and to stand proudly with Israel and with the community, and for others to do the same, for other public officials and um, uh, elected and otherwise, to be there to show their support and association with the community. The absence says something as well. Yeah, it, it does, and too many people are absent. So everybody, think twice before you decide to spend your Sunday somewhere else. Join us on Sunday on Fifth Avenue in New York City for all the reasons Malcolm just said, and believe you me, it'll be a, a very positive experience for your children and grandchildren as they uh, get an opportunity to demonstrate and to uh, and to celebrate Israel in New York City this Sunday. All right, so last night I saw, um, I was in the crowd when Danny Dion was uh, speaking, and uh, you know how you know how usually people say uh, we're proud to be, Israel's proud to be the only democracy in the Middle East? <laughs> so he gets up and he says, these days people are saying Israel's the only anarchy in the Middle East. <laughs> and I thought that was such a great line. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they're the political laughing stock, I don't know how other countries and other governmental bodies are viewing Israel in light of this week's news, but I, 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 even though you did mention the possibility last Friday, because remember, it took me by surprise when someone actually asked me about the possibility of Netanyahu forming a government. I was like, yeah, of course, it's a fait accompli, he's going to form a government. I did not expect this. I, I, I have a feeling that, that everyone who was observing this thought that at least at the last minute, if not earlier, there would be some type of deal. It looks like they were never close to a deal. Would that be the right way of putting it? I think that the outcome was a surprise even to Netanyahu, who probably had believed him up until the last day. And he was negotiating, even reached out to labor, supposedly. It made a generous offer to them to come in uh, that he would cobble together a deal. He could have had a government of 60, but it would have been constantly unstable and subject to um, such tremendous pressure in, in trying to allocate the the uh, portfolios. I don't think he had any choice to, but to do what he did and to um, uh, go to the, to the president or to have the Knesset dissolve itself. One of the dangers was that, that you could have had the president turn to uh, um, somebody else in could perhaps, or somebody else to try and formulate a, a government. I don't know that anybody could have been more successful, although Blue and White said they would go with Likud if it was a different leader, at least some of the members did. So Netanyahu was really, had limited options. And it's, it is a product of the, the list system of the nature of a coalition government. Look, European governments uh, also suffered from similar things because they had uh, also to put together coalitions. How many times have European governments had two elections in one year, though? Is it is it common? It was, uh, no, certainly not common, but that for governments to, to fall, uh, you see Mrs. May now stepping down. Uh, you see the 
um, and and then they have to see whether what kind of government they can find a successor for her, and seeing how long that government will go before it's challenged. Uh, I know in Italy for a very long time you had uh, governments changing sometimes more than once a year, but on an ongoing basis. And the fact is that it's been relatively stable. The Israeli government's last, on average, two and a half years. This one went much longer, almost full term. Uh, um, so, you know, it's it's inherent in the system. It doesn't look good to the world to ex- try to explain to them that it was really one individual that held it up. And whether he has a personal vendetta, as many say, against Netanyahu and wants to embarrass him and to force his hand, whether he thinks that by appearing to be the guy to stand up to the religious parties or to Netanyahu or something, that he will get more votes in the next election, or that he really doesn't care about the political process, but really trying to, to um, it's, it's a personal matter. We don't know. I don't know what's in his heart, but but the, um, the religious parties were forthcoming. They tried to reach an accommodation, and Netanyahu did as well, but... Uh, but uh, Lieberman was having nothing of it. So you have uh, the resultant situation. Now the election will be held September 17th. It's possible that you end up with another stalemate. I mean, we don't know what will happen. Three months is a very long time. When the election ended in April, did the prime minister assume that Lieberman would be a natural partner to form a coalition? Natural is a... you know, is a strange word. Likely, for, for, like, for like what goes on in this like, likely, I don't think anything is of likely partner. Uh, uh, yeah, I think he would have concluded that he would be, even though there's been, uh, you know, a lot of personal tension, maybe animosity. Others say to, between them uh, for also for a long time. And is it safe to say that if it was not for this uh, draft issue, he would have found he meaning Lieberman would have found another issue to hold up the form, formation of a coalition? Yeah, but it has to be one. It had to be an issue which would rally his base. This mm, does. Right. And, uh, you know, the the Russian immigrants largely are the base of his power. And so now he, he, he can go back to them on this issue and say, you know, it's religious coercion, it's whatever. The, the um, however he'll sell it to his uh his core constituency, and he could pick up some other votes for it that, you know, that he stood up, and he'll say he's the only guy who was willing to, right. you know, fight for principle and risk his political career. So to, to, to the Israeli public, this does not seem like the vote of no confidence, sort of, that, that it looks like to so many people on this side of the world. If you ask the average person, I think, about what their impression is of what happened this week in Israel, they're pretty down on Netanyahu. People are like, oh, you know, he, he must not be as powerful as we thought he was, or or he has really waned in terms of his influence in the political scene in Israel. It, are the people of Israel looking at that way? And the reason I ask is because if the former is correct, one might think that Netanyahu would, would actually consider resigning at this point, you know, and, and stepping aside, having having experienced this where... You know, he just doesn't have the power to form a majority like he used to. Well, he never had. I don't think, you know, that, that he, he got 35 votes, which is, uh, and equaled the opposition to two, but 35 is a significant block. The, the, um, 
I don't know that people take it out so much personally on him. They don't like the instability and the the um, trading and, and all the things that go into forming a government. And to uh, undertake a complete upheaval would be, um, and, you know, there are some steps that have been taking, raising the threshold, doing other things, trying to create greater stability. But when you ask who would they want to see as prime minister, by and large, they will continue to say Netanyahu. There's nobody else who has emerged as a challenge to him, um, neither within Likud nor outside. There are obviously people in Likud who, who are waiting on the sidelines, and if Netanyahu steps down, that they would be natural candidates to, to towards succession. Uh, but I think for Bibi, the the um, you know he he he's not a guy who who's going to easily give up. He faces the legal challenges, and I think he hopes still that that law could be passed, even though that that has become one of the issues in this election. That um, they're saying you know it's it's a, a challenge to the democratic nature of Israel to have a law that that gives immunity to people while in office. Uh, and he has indicated, I think, or in the negotiations, said he withdraw the law, um, but those parties did not come in. So I don't know now whether that goes ahead. It's obviously a point of contention. There were the demonstrations against the law. Um, it became a rallying point for, for the opposition against right. him. So let me ask you this. Is, is B.B.? In election number two, let's call it the second half of the year election, <laughs> is BB in election 2019 number two weaker than BB pre-election number one of 2019? It's impossible to tell now. You're talking about a long period of time in which there will be further steps regarding both his legal status, but uh, more importantly in the international arena, we don't know what will happen now vis-a-vis -vis the deal of the century, whether the administration will be forthcoming, will they do part one, will the meeting in Bahrain go ahead and develop the economic platform. It's very hard to believe that they could get into the political issues uh, for the same reasons they didn't do it and waited until election one was over. I think that they have to wait for election two, which and it may be good for the process not to have to deal with the political issues, and they're, they're sort of given an exemption now because of the Israeli political uh, uh, condition. So he, they can talk about the economics and, and get pledges and get people behind it uh, and, and not have to face immediately the, um, the political issues. And I think that uh, Jason and the others are sensitive enough, and and they they've just visited the Middle East. They, they've been in, they were in Israel and in other countries to, to talk about the next steps. We've seen statements from some of the Arab countries saying that they, you know they will come to to um, to Bahrain for the for the meeting. The Palestinians continue to be the rejectionists and will be left behind if if the process uh, goes on. Obviously, it's going to encumber it. It's, it's going to right. make it uh, more difficult. But at the same time, there will be important steps. So there's a three-way meeting of the national security advisors of uh, Israel, Russia, and uh, the United States. Uh, sec uh, Mr. Bolton, the national security advisor, uh, but, um, the Russian security advisor, Mayor Ben Shitrit, the, the U.S., um, the Israeli national security advisor, are going to meet in June. 
there will be a lot of things and a lot of platforms and certainly a lot of issues. I'm sorry, I got to I got I got to go back for a second though to the election strategy. Just with two quick things. Number one, isn't it ironic that he was lauded, meaning BB, pre-election one, of how he courted the smaller right-wing parties to essentially, especially once we saw he got 35 mandates, essentially to guarantee himself that he'd be able to form a government, and yet that didn't help in the end. It's pretty funny because for a month people were praising him to the hilt that he was, you know, that it was such a, a brilliant diplomatic strategy. Well, it will be what he will do now too, and it, it did not fully work. And the um, uh, his hope is, I think, that with Cajalon coming in, we don't know yet what will happen with Bennett, and uh, and if Shaquette comes to Likud, as they have said, or she may run again uh, with Bennett. Supposedly they met this past week. I think that will still be his strategy. He's not going to win the votes from the blue and white voters or from Merits or from the Arab parties. He he can only draw from there. And his hope would have been also that um, that Lieberman would have been out and others and they or wouldn't have made the threshold. And so he would have been in a position to, to draw. The, the votes get wasted if you don't make right. the 3.5% threshold do those do those parties that had the quote-unquote wasted votes are they going to primaries again is that what's yep. going to happen most likely they're all going to go to primaries again and a well, lot of, i don't know that they go to primaries we don't know i don't know whether they're i don't think they're mandated to but i think mm-hmm. that they that some may do it like i would i would believe um bennett well it would have to reassemble and and uh, be, uh see if he can re-energize the party and especially if Shaquette it goes with Likud, so I, 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 it, but the parties are going to have to go back and and spend three months now organizing, raising funds, doing the the campaign that uh, that they just went through, and the people of Israel are tired of it. It's it's a very draining and it's uh, very demanding, and there are really serious issues on the horizon, and the, the discovery of that tunnel, which actually was discovered a while ago, but the, the size of it, the fact that you have a, a kilometer-long tunnel, 250 meters deep, tells you the commitment of, of uh, Hezbollah and, and Iran, despite the financial conditions, that, the, that the, the dangers on the north and the desire still to penetrate Israel. And, of course, we just finished the, the round in the south. We see the... Um, uh, some of the other challenges, um, Iran openly threatens uh, to, to uh, expand its its weapons mass destruction, and, and De Bolton says that they are in fact already doing it, and they have evidence that they'll present to the to the um, uh, to, to the uh, Congress, to the UN rather. But but the Bavarian government in Germany, uh, their intelligence units came up with some very damning uh, reports, and the you know that this even goes against the government of Germany, which was a big supporter of the uh, JCPOA. And and they said that they want to expand their weapons of mass destruction. So the people of Israel, you know, have really big issues and, and serious issues. Uh, this will go over, you know, till, till the summer, till September 17th. And the the you know the circus that accompanies the campaign will be in evidence, and and people will be very tired of it. I just wonder if maybe because you've pointed this out before that they never have elections during the summer because of all the 
the travel and uh, and uh, you know inconsistency in people being around Israel. Uh, I just wonder if the real campaign is basically going to wait till the end of August anyway, and that they're not going to really you know ramp things up in the early parts of the summer. Uh, that may be the only as as the case here. Uh, people, there will be efforts, and he he will have to do a lot of. Um outreach and, and building a lot of bridges but yes the the real campaign here it, it starts after labor day there it'll start earlier maybe mid-august you know what that means malcolm it means the campaign starts rosh chodesh <laughs> i mean the, well, mu- it the was mu- an issue with the uh Haredi parties about uh coming in elosman when people the yeshivas are functioning and they don't want the distraction they asked that the election be held in the end of august uh but the date was set for whatever. How about reason. it's during so Elsman? How, how about ninety days notice before an election? How about it's during Elsman, a, a time where the Jewish people should try to stay away from these types of rhetoric and, and you know and have a more peaceful coexistence before the high holidays. Yeah, but you don't want them staying away from the polls. That's, the <laughs> that's I guess that's true in the end. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored. Digital radio around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Support us and the work we do here on a daily basis by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. By the way, that tunnel you mentioned, you said about the um, kilometer in length, 22 stories estimated in terms of its depth. I live in a 21-story building. You know how deep that is? That is quite an effort to create a They're tunnel. probably in your basement now. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite amazing to build a tunnel like that. And the enemy is, is I mean, and, and imagine doing it, you know, the, 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 tunnel building makes noise. Tunnel building could be, you know, can, can, can attract onlookers, certainly can attract attention when, you know, the Israeli uh, uh, armed forces are paying careful attention to that border. It's really amazing what they're able to accomplish, frankly. It is, and they had to have special equipment to do this. They carve it into the into rock. Um, and it was 250 feet into Israeli territories territory, so it's it's a kilometer long. That's that's more than almost it's about 3,300 feet, as I recall. And the fact, as you said, 260 feet deep. God, it's 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 mind-boggling. And uh, this was the the sixth and supposedly the last tunnel that had been uh, uncovered. And the you know with all the reports that the Hezbollah you know was going begging for money and that the Houthis were raising money for the Hezbollah, um, it seems that uh, they still have sufficient um, uh, money for this. And and now that Bolton said that the evidence that Iran was behind the attacks on the ships that uh, in the Gulf and and Pompeo Secretary Pompeo said that that it's. Um, uh, that they did it to raise the price of oil, and because of the frustration with U.S. sanctions, the U.S. sanctions are biting hard, and they they have reduced the the export of oil from Iran, which cuts them off from uh, a significant source of their of their income, and I, I don't know how much longer they can function at, at the same level. I think it's being reduced all the time, and all the reports we have indicated and that the frustration of the people with the with their government. Uh, and especially with the cut of those sanctions, the waivers of the sanctions, even India and China were given, uh, I think, a, a certain cap in the amount of oil that they could take. Uh, but essentially, everybody else was cut off on May 2nd. 
so the we and then the Gulf Cooperation Council met this week and it was largely against Iran and six countries led by the UAE and Saudi Arabia uh, took some very strong stands. Uh, it was a quote emergency meeting, but interestingly, Qatar was there, not the Emir, but the the Prime Minister came. Uh, and they called on Iran to stop the money to militias and terrorist organizations. I think the Iraqis abstained on some of the votes, uh, and again, given their position in the Iranian control within Iraq, it's, it's of significant portions of Iraq. It's uh, it's predictable, but the the fact that you had this gathering and that the, um, the they talked about uh, security measures against the attacks on oil assets and the United States. Um, back them on this. It shows that there is a, a growing recognition and, and um, reaction to the threat posed by Iran. It is not gone. It continues in the same way that that it did. And and you know the um, Khamenei posted on Quds Day, which is actually today. There uh, coincides with Yom Yerushalayim. Mm. Uh, he posted pictures of sinking U.S. ships. Uh, and Israeli ships on a sea of of uh, Palestinian kafias, and the threats, the language, the rhetoric continues uh, almost unabated in in terms of uh, the threats and the the word, the, the new revelations of how much Iran is involved in the BDS and stimulating fake news sites, uh, creating seventy three platforms, uh, different uh, um, vehicles in on the internet. And, and creating fake identities to, in order to get out anti-Israel, anti-Semitic information. And uh, this is a real campaign. It's not, um, it, it is not a haphazard action. It's, it's very much backed by a government and has the resources of a government uh, behind it. Amazing. Uh, I said to you last week that it, it looks like this anti-Semitism topic is going to be something we look at practically on a weekly basis. Uh, I compared it to the message of Islamic fundamentalism and its threat uh, from 20 years ago or so. Uh, first of all, I wanted to just um, talk about the reaction to the whole NYU episode. Um, Stephen Thrasher, an NYU doctoral graduate and professor at Northwestern, lauded NYU's Department of Social and Cultural Analysis' decision to support the BDS movement because he said, I quote, this is what we are called to do. This is our NYU legacy. Hamilton, meaning the uh, NYU president, can be seen applauding Thrasher when he concluded his remarks, and then afterwards he called Thrasher's remarks objectionable. Apparently, uh, these remarks, by the way, were not in the original text that was handed in that he'd use, and uh, both he, uh, meaning the president of NYU, and, and subsequently the president at uh, Northwestern, where he's a professor, um, you know, released statements in this regard, and I think that the 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 thing that's most concerning to us, although this you know you can't justify this happening anywhere, but I think what's most concerning to us is happening in our backyard right here in New York. And I, I think it's important on a regular basis, maybe not weekly, but certainly a regular basis, to remind people in positions of uh, of power, of philanthropy, of connections, of relationship with the people at NYU, where we see you know these types of episodes escalating. Uh, they've got to use their influence that every time they're asked to participate in something, to make a financial decision, et cetera, they have to bring up this topic of what is happening on the campus. So, 
First of all, I think it's a daily issue, not even weekly, that uh, the number of incidents, the number of events that are taking place, and just take highlights of just this past week since we talked. You've seen the debate in, in Germany about wearing a kippah that has become now that the chancellor had to get involved and others about whether Jews can be permitted or should or advised to wear a yarmulke in public. And there, there was the the minister, the person in charge of, of uh, fighting anti-Semitism, advised Jews not to wear it, and Merkel and others, obviously, after a storm of reaction, just came out and said, no, we have to provide security. We need security at every Jewish shul, synagogue, kindergarten, everything. Um, not likely to happen, but but the very fact that the chancellor points this out and recognizes that the depth of the anti-Semitism in, in Holland, they they, pay, they are, are now summoning two of the key molim, um, uh, people engage who, who do the circumcision because they claim they don't have medical degrees and uh, they could face serious charges, criminal charges for for that. Wow. And it was part of new laws that were were passed. The NYU situation is particularly egregious, a because it's in New York and the Jewish students and Jewish uh, faculty have become under tremendous pressure there. The uh, I have had exchanges with President Hamilton about the first round of incidents. And now this Thrasher uh, case, and Thrasher has an endowed professorship at Northwestern. Uh, he he may not have included in his statement, but for those who watched it, and it's on the internet and available, he didn't simply say something. He pumped his fists. He he uh, exaggerated the presentation of those words, and. Uh, People said to me, well, Hamilton wasn't even listening, didn't just they applauded at the end like right. you would for anyone. That's not an excuse, and he has come out now to condemn it. But the, but the fact is that it's too much and too little done. And the, um, uh, you know, we, we've seen other presidents of universities across the country at Cornell, at Brown, at Williams. These are the people we should be talking about, those who have really stood up. To, to it, the ambassador of the U.S. in Germany, Grinnett, Richard Grinnell, who is amazing, and said, a kippah, it's, every, it's, it's everybody should borrow a kippah, wear it for our Jewish neighbors, educate people that this is a diverse society. And he himself, in fact, called me when he arrived there as ambassador, whether he should wear a yarmulke as he got off the plane. Um, and the... Um, we saw the complaint now filed against Rockefeller Brothers Foundation, which for a long time we've met with them. We've tried to get them to reform. They they continue to support uh, pro BDS groups and giving grants, so they're now being brought up uh, before the um, New York State Division of Human Rights. But the the uh, and and what I said before about the report that came out of the University of Toronto, a research group there uh, about the. the uh, bogus online articles, the the uh, incitement, the use of social media, and these these fake websites um, that that Iran is engaged in, the collectivity of all of these things. If you look at this total picture, it is really disturbing. And again, I believe we have to praise the the people who the president and others who stood even against votes in their universities and the president of Fister College, whom I've talked about, in fact, visited Haifa University this week and, and continues to stand courageously by his, uh, by his position. But it is the issue of the day, and, and we cannot underestimate it. And, and the more I hope that we talk about some of these specifics is to get people to understand how much this has crossed borders, how this is 
you know, a universal problem. Um, people thought that uh, Corbyn was the problem. Every day, another report on the Labour Party's uh, anti-Semitism. But the outcome of the EU elections, where we see extremist parties and others gaining, and what I've talked about here for a long time, that the munition of the center in, in European politics is also in evidence here. And there, there are contrary signs in some of the EU elections, and they say, well, they didn't you know, win as big, and the the, the fact is that the system itself is under is under challenge, and that instability is very bad for us. And, and if you think that there could be an economic downturn, how that would further exacerbate these tensions. What's the right piece of advice, Malcolm? Keep pot in Germany or not? Absolutely, you cannot say that people should not wear a keep. I would use it wisely. I wouldn't say that you you know you do it to, in a. Depends what neighborhood and where you're walking. That's that's been true in Europe for decades, uh, but but we cannot succumb to this. And they can't have them limit us and and you know have us put our institutions under lock and key that people will be dissuaded from coming or that functions not be held because they're concerned. And I mean here as well as there. And we saw the people who who did this Holocaust Memorial, I think, in Georgia, when they were marched on by with people with swastikas and flags, et cetera. Um, we, we need to invest much more in the research elements. I, I saw new information in the last uh, two days that further uh, concerned me but about the extent and the, the level of, of um, the organization and how the Internet is, is becoming a vehicle for for a lot of this and things in ways that we don't even know how we're being uh, manipulated. So the the um, um, we have to, to 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 find ways, and we are working on new ways to both to educate people, to get them to understand the seriousness, to speak up, to stand up, to demand that our elected officials do the same. That no one has a right to shirk this responsibility. Now, this is a universal problem. And while Jews may be the first victims, we're never the last, so everybody should be standing up to this because they too will become victims. And we see Christians now being persecuted in so many parts of the world, because when there's indifference, it affects everybody. Has the Prime Minister of Israel invited German jury to uh, use this opportunity to move to Israel, the same way he has done that very often over the last five years with French jury? Uh, well, first of all, it's a, uh, um, it's a much smaller community, and it's a different circumstance, but they have been very active there, and you see that young people, college graduates in a poll done in Germany, a greater number of them are talking about uh, preparing to go to Israel. And uh, what we should be doing, uh, the Jewish agency, the government, and others should be doing is preparing them, having Hebrew courses, do other things that will facilitate doctors, lawyers, professionals, others being able to transfer their skills and to to create a new reality. People are going moving all over the world from, from Europe and uh, many of them, obviously, are building apartments and houses and buying in Israel. It certainly is reflected in the real estate market. Uh, but the, the um, uh, I think the work in Germany is continuing. I don't know that the prime minister will issue a call, per se. And finally, Merkel and, and frankly, other leaders of, of certain European countries, they, they can't come out against certain groups that we would like them to label as terrorist groups, etc., because of the increased... I would guess, Muslim population in their countries, right? They're in a very sensitive position when the Jewish community demands that they take a stand like that. 
There is no excuse not to make Hezbollah declare Hezbollah as all of its wing terrorist organization, especially when Hezbollah is active in Germany in the way that they are. There is no excuse uh, not to declare and and to uh, when you see what Hezbollah is doing with the tunnels, with the terrorism around the world, what Iran is doing. You know, as as I said, the uh, if they they are talking about the German intelligence units from. Uh, the Bavarian unit and others telling that Iran is committed to its weapons of mass destruction program, meaning chemical, biological, and, and atomic weapons, that the um, uh, the links that they are trying to create with North Korea and Pakistan and others, and, and, and they're saying a lot of this publicly, so it's not a question of, of speculation about what their intent is. They declare what their intent is. Look at the statements that the leadership is, is making. And, and take them seriously. So the, the failure of, of the part of Germany and other European countries, and maybe even here to a degree, to adequately prepare, to devote the resources, it, it is very difficult to, to do the things that, um, you know, uh, Merkel referred to about putting a policeman accompanying everybody who wears a yarmulke or at every institution, et cetera. But you know what? Today it's necessary, and it's necessary to take more aggressive stance against those who support terrorism, those who engage in it, and Hezbollah is one, and their refusal to, to do what other European countries have done in, in you know, saying that there is one Hezbollah and it, it has to be listed as a terrorist organization and subject to all the sanctions is disgraceful. By the way, when, I, when Iran is criticized, as you mentioned earlier, by other, uh, um, you know, regional powers, uh, in terms of some of the activities that they're undertaking, does anybody object to to the fact that they sponsor the uh, Hamas and others, especially in the southern part of Israel, Gaza, etc.? Like, are, are are there neighbors and those who criticize Iran who would like them to stop those operations, or that's really not on anybody's radar? Oh no, very much. Egypt, uh, uh, for one, Jordan, for another. Uh, Jordan is careful about being outspoken because they have a tremendous internal uh, pressures. And um, right now, people who saw the king at the uh, Gulf Summit said that he looked more confident. And they obviously, the, the Gulf countries are very concerned about the stability of Jordan. Uh, Sisi has been remarkable in speaking out and acting. And by the way, sent helicopters and stuff to help fight the forest fires in Israel uh, during that uh, very right. period. Um, yes, it's it is a, it's an issue that. Uh, the Gulf countries, all of them, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, UAE, all of them, see it as a top priority and, and have withdrawn funds from Gaza because of it. Interesting. Uh, Malcolm, Parade Sunday. Don't forget. Parade Sunday, and everybody should be marching. But remember, you're marching to show support for Israel, but we're also marching for ourselves and for our own community and as a statement to the world and as a reminder and to, to reinforce in the confidence of our own children, and and they need to see the crowns on the signs of the street. The elected officials need to see it. If you didn't plan to go, take it one hour and just join the, the parade. Be there for, for yourselves, for your children, for your grandchildren, and for Israel. Yeah, and I would say for your uh, grandparents as well, think about the marches they were on 80 years ago as demanded by the enemy, and maybe you'll reconsider if you're considering not being in Manhattan to march on behalf of Israel and the Jewish people this coming Sunday. Thank you, Malcolm. Happy Yom Yerushalayim. Oh, next, yeah, next week we will speak Bezrat Hashem. It'll be Erev, the three-day Yontif. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak next week.
Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays here for the weekly update. Might even join us Sunday when we'll be at 64th Street and 5th Avenue in New York City celebrating Israel. Make sure you're tuned in no matter where you are around the world. Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network on our website at NahumSiegel.com. And of course, in audio form on our app, the NSN Nahum Siegel Network app. Make sure to be tuned in this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Bichukosai. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Bichukosai contains 12 mitzvos seven positive mitzvos and five restrictions. Parshas Bechukosai is Shabbos Chazak. We finish the third book of the Torah, Sefer Vayikra. Before I begin to talk about the beginning of the parsha and a beautiful lesson that is provided for us in the opening psukim, I'd like to just share with you a most exciting pasuk, that emerges from the Tochacha. The beginning of the parsha tells us that if we do ours and maintain our end of the bargain, the covenant between ourselves and God, He will bless us with prosperity, peace, and the kind of ideal living that we are to have in Eretz Yisrael. The parasha then continues with a listing of curses known as the Tochacha that if we unfortunately are not going to listen and be loyal to Hashem, then He will punish us with various punishments, including that we will be exiled from the land. Parenthetically, the Torah repeats again and again, and in your absence from the land, the land will have its Shemitah. If you didn't do it the right way, and you did not allow the land to lay fallow and not work the land, when you were there, now that you are out of the land, it will get its due. Something which is a very interesting metaphysical concept. But the Pasuk I want to share with you is as follows. The Torah says in Pasuk 32, chapter 26, this is a Pasuk worth dancing for. Says the Torah, Hashem says, I will make the land desolate. Meaning, Vishamamu Oleha Oyevechem, and your enemies, Hayoshvimba, your enemies that are going to try to settle the land. In your absence, you're not there. They have taken over your land. So they will try to plant the land. They will try to develop the land. They will try to create a s- culture and civilization on your land, says the Torah, to no avail. I will babysit my word, 
the Torah's idea, the land for you, and to assure that the land will be desolate, waiting for you until you come back. And we have seen this come true in our lives. When they read this Pasuk in Shul tomorrow, the Gabbai should get up and say, Everybody, pinch yourselves, because we are seeing, have seen this and are seeing it. And if you look in the Rashi on Pasuk 32, and I will maintain the land desolate, says Rashi Zumida Tovali Israel. This is good news for the Jewish people. that our enemies will not find Nachas Ruach satisfaction in our land. that when we are not going to be there, the land will not, did not respond to our enemies. One big, incredible wow. I'd like to call your attention, however, to the very beginning of the parasha, starting with <coughs> Pasuk 3. The Torah tells us that if you follow my decrees, my chukim, my laws which you cannot understand, and my mitzvot, you follow and you do yours, so Hashem says, I will do mine. Now, instinctively, before you look at Pasuk Dalid, what would you think? So you and I might have thought, says the Meshachachma, that since we are doing ours, he, capital H, will do his, and he will provide us with miracles. No, sir, says the Meshachachma. Note that the blessings that Hashem promises us are all within the natural. What does that mean? That the rains are going to come. But they're not just going to come that you have rain. You will have them be'itam. You're going to have them in its proper time, as Rashi uh, tells us, quoting the Torah's Kohanim, on Friday night when people are at home and there'll be the least inconvenience for you. So you're going to get your rain and it will be the least kind of disturbance. And the psukim go on to tell us that we're going to be blessed with prosperity and we're going to have peace in the land. Why? Because says the Meshachachma, if you think about it, the natural order of this world is nothing less than a miracle. And listen to his golden Hebrew. Hateva, nature, hurak nisim ritsufim. Nature is but a consecutive, constant flow of miracles. The problem is that we are so accustomed to nature, and I can tell you exactly when sunrise will be tomorrow morning and when sunset is going to be exactly, and nature goes accordingly that we don't see it as a miracle. But the answer is it's his desire which perpetuates nature on a constant basis. And therefore, the last verse that we say in the Psuke de Zimra every morning of Kol Hanashama, 
Tahalil Ka Haleluka, the 150th Psalm. Literally, let all souls praise Hashem. Haleluka, Kohanashama. Our rabbis understand, Al Kohanashima Unashima, for every breath, every consecutive breath is nothing less than a gift and a miracle which Hashem provides for us. Now this idea is such a powerful one that the Torah is telling us that there is a perfect connection between our observance of Torah and the way nature is going to function. I'm going to give you three interesting uh, proofs of just this concept. Let's go to chapter 3. And what do we find? That Adam and Chava, unfortunately, eat from the forbidden fruit. And what does the Torah tell us? That right after they do, so in chapter 3, verse 7, Vayisperu alei te'ena, they sewed together a fig leaf, Vayasulahem chagoros, and they made for themselves aprons to cover their nakedness. The question is, why fig leaves? So Rashi says something incredible. There are different opinions as to what the tree was that Adam ate from, that Hashem had prohibited. And Rashi's nominating that it was the fig tree. Why? In the way that they messed up, they rectified through that same tree. But other trees, minum, held them back. Militol alehem. The other trees could not, would not allow Adam and Chava to take the leaves from that tree. Why not? They were so upset that Adam had broken the natural order. They were so upset that Adam had defied the will of God. They refused to allow Adam to take from their tree. Then the trees rustled and they made so much noise that man was afraid to go there. An incredible idea which shows that the perfect sync between Torah, listening to God, and nature. Secondly, Go from chapter 3 to chapter 4. Cain, unfortunately, kills his brother, Hevel. And what does he say to Hashem in chapter 4, verse 14? You've charged me to be a wanderer in the land. What's going to be? Whoever finds me is going to kill me. Now, wait a minute. How many human beings do we have here? His father, his mother, they might want to kill him for having killed their son, his brother. They're not going to kill him. Who's going to kill him? Says the Ramban, the animals. The animals want to kill him. Why? Yes, because they realize, ay, 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 here is a person that has broken that perfect connection between 
nature and God's law, nature and Torah. And therefore, Hashem has to put a sign on Cain's head in order that the animals should know not to kill Cain. Third case, there's a very delicious Orachayim HaKadosh on the Shira, right before the Shira, asks the Orachayim HaKadosh, what are we making such a big deal out of the splitting of the Red Sea, out of the Shiras Hayom, when after all, the Gemara in Chulin, Daf Zayan Amaralev 7a, tells us about the great Tana, Repinchas ben Yoir, who, when he came to the river Genai, and he had missed the ferry, he commanded the river to split for him in order to enable him to do his mitzvah, and the river did. Well, if the river did split for one special Jew called Pinchas ben Yoir, then certainly it should split the sea for two million Jews. And says the Orachayim HaKadosh that Pinchas ben Yoir was after Matan Torah, but this is before Matan Torah, so that there should be this connection to save the Jewish people with nature. That was something, a miracle. But after Matan Torah, there is this perfect sink, there is this ideal. What comes out from this very interesting insight of the Meshachachma is that when we speak about miracles and nature, they really fuse together to see nature itself as an ongoing miracle. And it's for this reason <coughs> that he cites two very interesting Gemaras. The first Gemara is that of Shabbos Kufyud Ches Amibes. Shabbos 118b. So we know that every day we say Psuke de Zimra, and which are the chapters of Tehillim 145 through 150, preparing us for the second phase of Tefillah, Shema and its blessings, and Shemona Esrei. And on Shabbos and Yom Tov, we have an enlarged Psuke de Zimra including Tilim 136, which happens to be Halel Hagadol, Hodul Hashem Kitov, Kiliolam Chazdo. Now listen carefully. Let's say a person, this Sunday or any day, I have the day off. I want to dive in more. I want to say Halel Hagadol in the morning. The answer is, says the Talmud, don't. That, that is nothing less than mecharev umegadev. Oy, oy, oy. Blasphemy? Cursing? How could that be? And the answer is because that chapter of Tilim 136 is praising Hashem for His extraordinary, for our defeating Og Melech HaBoshan, our defeating Sichon Melech HaMori, for His bringing down the Mun in the desert 40 years, for his splitting of the sea. These are all extraordinary activities, which if we focus on that on a daily basis, one could be unfortunately misled to thinking, ah, it's only out of the ordinary, which is special. 
And therefore, we don't say it every day. But what we do say every day is Tehillah Ledavid, Ashrei. Because Ashrei has the olive base, which is the natural order. And Ashrei has Puseach Es Hashem, you open up your hands and you satiate all living beings, Ratzon, according to your desire. But I'm going to give you one last shot, beautiful, that Hashem provides for all living beings, Ratzon, that we should have desire, that we should want more, that we should always want to improve our lives. And as we see Shavuos very much coming soon on the horizon, I pray that our Ratzon should be in the realm of spirituality, that our devotion to Torah and mitzvos, our appreciation of Torah and mitzvos, our being on the same page with Torah should provide us and our families with an abundance of blessing and nachas and peace for Eretz Yisrael for many years to come. Shabbat Shalom to all.
JM in the AM. It's uh, Yaakov Shweki, of course. Yishtabach Shemo here at JM in the AM. Uh, big day Sunday. Very big day Sunday. Yom Yushalayim special. We celebrate Jerusalem 52. Me, Mayor Weingarten, Matis Weingast, all together on Sunday morning, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time during JM Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in on Sunday for Yom Yushalayim. Then, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we uh, hit the airways from Fifth Avenue in New York City. That'll be the uh, Celebrate Israel Parade. And I'm glad that so many people are excited about this parade, Baruch Hashem. Uh, Join us. Our broadcast being presented by the Brooklyn Cyclones, and uh, we will be broadcasting uh, starting at 11 a.m. at NahumSiegel.com, on Facebook.com slash Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app, so make sure to join us. That's all Sunday. Well, Ben Shoshchodesh tomorrow. Shoshchodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. Candle lighting in New York, 8 o'clock. A lot of synagogues begin earlier than that. Make sure you know when the things start where you are. wanted to thank some of the people who have been donating to JM and the AM. Thank you. Remember, you can go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org to donate. You could also go to... Uh, your mailbox where there might be an envelope that you received about three, four weeks ago. And you can give uh, that way as well. And we certainly hope you will. Uh, thank you to um, uh, Drs. Farella and Arthur Millman of Westfield, New Jersey. They donated in honor of Shoshana Kriegsman uh, and her bat mitzvah. Thank you and Mazaltov. Uh, Greg Bernhardt, New York City, in honor of the bar mitzvah of Hunter Michael Bernhardt which is Parshas Yitro at Parkey Synagogue. Thank you for your donation. Uh, Sharon and Franklin Spurn, in honor of, uh, in memory, actually, of uh, Philip Spurn and Dr. Nathan Brown. We appreciate your donation. And the Millers, thank you to Michelle and Kenny, four times high, in honor of the Chizuk, the Nahum Siegel, and NSN programming gift to Claw Yisrael. Thank you very, very much for that. Much appreciated, to say the least. Um, we've had some, uh, donations from fjbunity.org. That's the website you want to go to. If you want to donate right now, fjbunity.org, a, uh, thank you going out to, uh, Hannah Miller for her donation. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, Mark Weintraub in honor of his, uh, grandchildren, children, parents, and grandparents. Special congratulations to daughter-in-law Kayla Michal and her recent graduation from Wichwala School of Social Work. We're so proud of you. To Nahum and the NSN family, keep up the great work. It's appreciated. Wishing you much continued success. That's Susie and Rafal Weintraub in Southfield, Michigan. Thank you for their $100 donation. Much appreciated. want to thank uh, the Ginsbergs, Aliza and Ari. I saw Dr. Ari recently a couple of times. And he told me just how often they are listening to JM and AM. That's so nice. And they uh, give FJB a $100 donation. And we thank them very, very much for that. Uh, Rachel Gelman has donated in honor of um, grandkids Avraham Yehuda and Moshe Bunim Dicker. Uh, Rachel is from Passaic. And we thank you very much for that. want to thank Rabbi Gary and Riva Ambrose, a 10 times high donation from New York City, but really from Jerusalem as well. Thank you guys very, very much. Five times high from Barbara Goldfarb in honor of beautiful children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren in Staten Island, Israel, and Clifton. Wow, that's pretty cool. Sandy Shinensky. Thank you, Sandy. In loving memory of Arthur. Oh, we remember Arthur with tremendous love. 
they are original Nahum Siegel Mayer Weingarten fans, participants of the amazing, listen to this, JM and the AM 1989 trip to Israel. It's only 30 years ago. It's only 30 years ago this summer. I enjoyed watching Nahum smile whenever Stacy was mentioned. <laughs> That's great. May you go from Chayel to Chayel. Thank you, Sandy. Best to everybody. Uh, five times high from Ronald Laddie. Thank you for what you do for the Jewish world. We may not agree politically, but we certainly agree in our love for the Jewish people. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you very much for that, actually. I appreciate that very much. Um, so all the people that we are now thanking are those who've recently given uh, to the show and to the network at fjbunity.org. Thank you, Herschel Croman, from for my Bobbies and Zadies and Lori Kay. Thank you for that. Miriam Seif, I may have mentioned this already, who insists on giving a dollar a day for 365 days, and I can't thank her enough. Thank you, Nachum Rabbi Yudin, Malcolm Honline, Mayor Weingarten, and the NSN staff, your ongoing incredible programming and contribution to the Jewish world. From Mimi and Yehuda, Seif, and Spring Valley, thank you guys. Miriam Holstuck, three times high. Continue with all your wonderful programming 24-6. I listen all day and night. Home, work, car. <laughs> That's Miriam and Lenny. Thank you very much, guys. Um, uh, Michael Unger, to support JM&AM, has donated at fjbunity.org. Helene Linder, three times high in honor of Mayor Weingarten and the Israel Show. Aryeh Mandel, three times high. Keep up the great work, and thanks for the concert tickets. You got it, Aryeh. Rafur Shlema to Shimon Simcha, Ben Panina Yehudis. That's from Aryeh and Batya Mandel. Uh, Shari Stetch, a $50 donation with the message, we love your show. Lorraine Vogel, 10 times high. Great listening to your show, Nachum. Much Hatzlacha always. Lorraine and Rabbi Sam Vogel. And we know Lorraine and Rabbi Sam for a long, long time. And that is so heartwarming. A 10 times high donation. Thank you so much. An anonymous donation. Thanks for the excellent programs. It's appropriate to have a unity fundraiser during the days from Pesach and Shavuos. Maybe a rectification for what happened to Rabbi Akiva's students. I appreciate that message. Very much. Uh, those of you who would like to donate, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And as we always say, your generous donations are much appreciated. Thank you to Shlaimi E, who comments on the app. Can you please wish Mazdov to Sender Ehrman upon his engagement to Zahava Braun last night? Mazdov to the proud grandparents, Mr. and Mrs. Feish Herzog, and Uncle Yoichi who I am sure is listening to the app from Israel. Thank you. Yaichi mentioned earlier that he's on the app, and the Feish's name was mentioned earlier during our conversation with uh, Jay Booksbaum. So that's really cool. Uh, Daniel says, AJA Carpool number 255 is writing a special today to the fourth grade Hebrew play to Yuli Yisrael. Thank you, listen to Daniel. And Devorah says, extremely proud of our regional council of Yad Binyamin for taking in over 200 residents of Mavo Modi'in. The entire yeshuv burned down on Lagba Omer. The residents of our yeshuv have showered them with love, support, and trying to meet their extreme needs. Putting the link to the fundraiser here for anyone who uses the app. Anybody who goes to the app right now, go to the comment section for the next 10 minutes. Under Devorah's name, you will see the link to support our brothers and sisters of Moshav Mavomodi'in. And I certainly hope that you'll do just that. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Mazel tov to Jacob Wallach on his bar mitzvah from all of us here at JM in the AM.
Yehuda Green before that slimy Gertner. Friday morning hour of Shabbos at JM in the AM. Don't forget Sunday. Yom Yushalayim special starts at 7 a.m. Eastern time during JM Sunday. And then the Celebrate Israel Parade, our coverage brought to you by our friends at uh, the Brooklyn Cyclones. All starts at 11 a.m. NachumSiegel.com. Facebook.com slash NachumSiegel Network. It's going to be pretty cool, everybody. That's for sure. See you on Fifth Avenue this coming Sunday. The Yeshiva University Athletics Department is proud to announce the inductees of the Athletics Hall of Fame Class of 2019. Join us this Monday, June 3rd, as we celebrate the accomplishments of this distinguished group representing the university's highest ideals. Congratulations to Irv Bader, Steve Melner, Alex Trayman, Hadar Weiss, Josh Haston, Dave Kufeld, Elizabeth Penn, Shai Samet, and Rebecca Yosher. To RSVP or place an ad in the Dinner Journal, yuhalloffame.com. Time to say good job, because all your work is done. Gonna spend a day together with the Holy One. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Israel and Achim Achim, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish 
moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and AlchemSingle.com and the Single Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. This coming Sunday, Yom Yerushalayim, everybody. Make sure to be tuned in starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time for our big Yom Yerushalayim special live from our New York City studios. Don't forget that the uh, big parade is happening starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday. Our coverage presented by the Brooklyn Cyclone starts at 11 a.m. at NahumSingle.com, Facebook.com slash NahumSingle Network. It's going to be an amazing Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in with us the entire time. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.